0: was go to Luke chapter number eight. Luke chapter number eight. I asked uh, Brother Jake if we could sing that song last because it is similar to the message that, uh, or, or the story that we're going to uh, read and preach out of this morning. It is not the same story, but is similar. And um, what is similar about these two stories is the desperation, the desperation of the person that is needing Jesus. I believe Jesus is in the business of helping desperate people. Amen. I believe all around our world right now, the reason that we are having or we are seeing revival all around our world right now is not because there is this new revelation of the Bible. It's not because a preacher is preaching a a better message. It's not because a singer is singing a, a better song. The reason that there are revivals happening all around America today is because people have become desperate to see a move of God in their life. Let me ask you this question. How desperate are you? Before we ever get into the message this morning, how desperate are you to see a move of God in your life? I don't know about you, but I'm desperate. I want to see a move of God in my life. I want to see a move of God in my life, number one, because I want to witness it for myself. Number two, because I want my family to be a part of it. Amen. Number three, because I want my church to be a part of it. Amen. Number four, because I want my uh, community to be a part of it. I want my country to be a part of it. I want this world to be a part of it. Amen. What would, happen, what would happen if every church in America this morning said, I'm not worried about how, how good I'm dressed. I'm not worried about how good the song service was or how good the preacher preaches. matter of fact, they can mess it all up and preach, uh, uh, sing the wrong key and, and do all that. As, hey, as long as he meets with us, if we all got desperate, just like that, my goodness, what kind of move of God will we witness? I believe God is very interested, very interested in desperate people. Are you a desperate person? How desperate are you? You going through the motions this morning? Are you here because you got to be here? Are you here because your wife made you come? Are you here because you're checking a box? Or are you here this morning desperately needing a touch of God? Amen. Luke chapter number 8 and verse number 41, we're introduced to a man. We've all heard this story. You've probably heard several messages preached out of this chapter. Verse number, uh, well, before I get into our reading this morning, I just want to say Jesus here started His earthly ministry. He's beginning to perform miracles. He's teaching. Okay, just in, in the beginning of this chapter, He gives the parable of the sower and the seed. Then we see Him go across the Sea of Galilee to heal one man. I'm thankful that there is value to God in one person. I'm thankful that there's 300 people here this morning but I believe God would have been here if there was just me. Amen. You know how I know that? Because he has been. Amen. Because he has been. And so Jesus goes across the sea to save one man. And this man is a lot like some of y'all. Amen. He's a maniac. No, I'm just kidding. All right. He's a maniac. The Bible says that he's possessed with demons. And we all know the story. Jesus cast the demons out of him. And they return back into the other side of the sea. He left the, the, the city that didn't want nothing to do with him. And he came back to, to this city. In verse number 40, it says, It came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, but they were all waiting for him. Verse 41, And behold, there came a man named Jairus. Now, I was talking to my dad about this message, and I said, I don't know if the guy's name is Jairus or Jairus. I've heard, I've heard. So I said, you know what? I'm going to look it up in the Strong's Concordance, and I'm going to find out how you're really supposed to say this man's name. And so I looked it up. Anybody want to guess what it's, what it's supposed to be said? Yitus. I said, you know what? I'm going to go with the American white version, Jairus. Amen? So we're going to call him Jairus. All right? So y'all just hang with me. I, I, I feel like I would get tongue twisted if I said Yitus every time. Okay? So we're going to go with Jairus. Okay? So we're introduced to this man by the name of Jairus. And he was a ruler. Of the synagogue. Now, many commentators believe a ruler of the synagogue in this day was much like a modern day pastor. Okay? He, would, he would organize the services. He would keep an eye over, over everything on the, on, the, on the property there and make sure everything was going according to plan. Um, if you will, if you'll give me a little leverage here, I want you to, I want you to recognize that this man Jairus was a religious man. He was a religious man. At this time, th- th- this man was a, a Jewish man. Uh, many of the Jews did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he was a Jewish man. He led uh, uh, people at the synagogue. He was overth- this man was religious. Everybody say this man was religious. This man was religious. Okay? This man was religious. But I want you to realize something. He was religious until he was desperate. He was religious until he was desperate. There's a lot of churches today and they got the the schedule lined up and they're they're so religious they they don't even have a relationship. They're so religious they go right by by the law. They all dress to a T. They all got their their shirt and tie on. Listen, but listen to this. When you get desperate, you'll lose your religion. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all looking at me like, "Uh uh-oh, this boy don't know what he's talking about. Y'all just stay with me, all right? Look at the next part of this verse. And he fell down at Jesus' feet. Now we read over this like, like nothing just happened. But what you got to understand is all the people that w- he was leading up into this point, when they saw him fall at Jesus' feet, they probably gasped. What in the world? That's not our Messiah. That's not our God. This man lost his religion and fell down at Jesus' feet because Jesus was the only one that was going to be able to change his situation. This man got real good and desperate. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. And the Bible says, And he besought him that he would come into his house. When you, hey, when you, when you get desperate, you'll lose your religion, and you'll invite Jesus into your house. You'll invite Jesus into your life. You'll let Him go everywhere. Amen. He said, Lord, I, I need you to come to my house. Verse number 42. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. That word thronged there is the same word that is used when Jesus is talking about the seed that was choked out. In other words, Jesus was being suffocated by how many people were trying to get to where he was. Okay? And so this man, Jairus, comes to Jesus and he is desperately needing God to do something with his daughter. His daughter is on her deathbed. I don't know, you might not have children, you might not be able to appreciate this verse as much, but I know something. If my 12-year-old daughter was on her deathbed, I would be... Pretty desperate, amen? I would have been just like Jairus. I, w- I would have left my religion. I would have left my, 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 uh, everything that, 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 that made me look good. And I would have d- done anything that I could have done to help my daughter. Jairus here, he's so desperate. He runs to Jesus. He says, Jesus, please, I'm begging you. My, my daughter's dying. If you're a parent in here, your heart breaks as you read this thinking about your own child. Man, what a terrible, terrible circumstance. Then we are introduced to a woman with an issue of blood. In verse number 43, and a woman having an issue of blood, stay with me, 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. She tried everything. Came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched. Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? The disciples said, Lord, you're being suffocated by people and you're worried about which one touched you. They're looking at him like, Lord, there ain't no way of knowing which one touched you. Jesus was trying to tell them, there's a few people bumping into me, but somebody just touched me. Yeah. Amen. You'll get that on the way home tonight. Amen. And so somebody reached out and touched him. And Jesus said, somebody have touched me and I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And the woman saw that she was not hid. She came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people that cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, listen to this. I love this next word, daughter. He didn't say woman. He didn't say girl. He didn't say stranger. He said daughter. Hallelujah. Be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole go in peace. Now what does this woman have in common with the blind man, with Jairus? She was desperate. Could you imagine the people suffocating Jesus I mean, it was, like her, it was like a herd of cattle. It was chaos. And the Bible says that she reaches through if you're like me, you, you're, you, you, is anybody like picture-related, like you got when you're reading the story, you're watching a movie in your head, right? And I'm seeing this woman reaching through, and she just touches the hem of his garment. You know what that is? Desperation. She was desperate. Are you desperate this morning? This ain't even my message, but God got all over me about it. Jesus is in the business of helping desperate people. Verse 49. Now, where is Jairus during all this? Say it, brother. He's saying, hey, can we kind of speed this up? My daughter is, is, is needing you right this moment. Okay, I don't know why we're making a pit stop. Did you not understand that this was very important? Did you not understand that my daughter is fixing to die? Do you not understand that this issue does not, we don't have time to waste? That's what we would be saying, right? Verse number 49, And while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house. This is Jairus' house. Saying to him, thy daughter is dead. Could you imagine the air that went out of this man's body? We just sang about all my hope was in Jesus. Could you imagine all the hope that this man had of seeing his daughter live again? Gone. Your daughter's dead. Trouble not the master. Quit bothering Jesus. It's over. Verse number 50, But when Jesus heard it, He answered him saying, Fear not, believe only. And she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand, and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and He commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But He charged them that they, would sh- that they should tell no man what was done. So that's our scripture this morning. That's our story. Now I just want to share with you what God showed me. Amen? Number one, I noticed that this man was desperate. We see, we see that he was desperate. We see that he lost his religion. We see that he invited Jesus to his house and into his life. We see, lastly, this is going to be the message this morning. This is what I want to preach on this morning. He stuck with Jesus. This is what I want to preach this morning. Stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. He came desperately to where Jesus was and said, God, if you don't do something in my situation... My daughter is going to die. In other words, if you don't do something in my situation, my world is over. I'm losing my only daughter. If you don't do something, there's nothing we can do. We've tried everything that we know to try up until this point. Time is up the essence. If you don't help us, then nobody else can. And so Jesus saw the faith of the man and the desperation of the man, and he says, okay, follow me. And so Jesus begins to walk, mind you, the people are thronging, a.k.a. suffocating him, and Jesus makes a pit stop. And what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is Jairus never left Jesus' side. Through all the people, through the healing of this this, uh, woman who had an issue of blood, through everything that happened from verse number 41 up until verse number 54 when his daughter is healed, Jairus just stayed with Jesus. And that's what I want to challenge you and encourage you to do this morning. No matter how bad your situation looks, no matter what what is going on in your life, you don't understand it, I don't understand it, your wife, your husband, they don't understand it, your kids don't understand it, listen to me, just stick with Jesus. Just stay with Jesus. Wherever He goes, you go. Wherever He goes, you go. You say, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let's just get into the message. Number one, notice this. Notice this. When you're sticking with Jesus, number one, notice this. He is not on your schedule. He is not on your schedule. Some of y'all saying, I've been praying for this for a year and God hadn't answered it. Just stick with Jesus. Amen. You say, I've been praying for this for four years and God still hasn't come through. Just stick with Jesus because He's on the way. Somebody say Amen. He is not on your schedule. Isaiah chapter number 55 and verse number 8, the Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my, are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And somebody ought to thank God for that. Amen. Because if it was our ways, we'd have it all messed up, all, all confusing and everything else. He knows what we do. he's doing and we've got to trust him. Amen. Verse number 9 of Isaiah 55. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Could you imagine the frustration if he was anything like me, if he was as carnal as I was, Brother Frank? And he's going down through here with Jesus, and Jesus decides he wants to make a pit stop. If he could you could you see his frustration? I mean, if you really love your daughter like I love my daughter, then you'd be like, Lord, can we hurry this up? We can come back and do this after we get done healing my daughter. We can come back. I'm not saying, Lord, I'm not saying don't heal the lady. I'm just saying, can we go get. Get to my, my daughter before she dies. Amen. Understand this. Whatever you're praying for and whatever you're asking God for, the miracle that you're waiting on God to perform in your life, He is not on your schedule. Right. Right. I know that hurts somebody's feelings in here this morning. But I want you to know this. He may not, he's not on your schedule. I love this quote. I've heard it a hundred times. God is seldom early, but He's never late. He's seldom early, but he's never late. Many times, listen, how many of y'all like to be early? Anybody like this? My wife, you better not raise your hand because I know you be lying in church. I know she be lying. Say amen, Brother Sheldon. She'd be lying in church. I like to be early. My, my thing, is if you ain't 15 minutes early, you're late. Amen? And so I feel the same way in my life, in my life when I ask Jesus to do something. Brother Josh, I want him to be early. I want to pray the prayer and then the next morning wake up to a miracle. Amen? amen. Understand this, that that Jesus is seldom early, but he's never late. I think about, how many of y'all remember Lazarus? Could you imagine the sisters of Lazarus as they watched their brother die, as they watched somebody that Jesus loved die? Could you imagine the questions that filled their mind, and the doubt that filled their mind, and and the confusion that filled their mind? But listen, Jesus was not late. He might have been four days after Lazarus died, but he was never late, amen. He was right on time. And he used that situation so that others would come to know him. Understand this, stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. He's not on your schedule. You in a hurry, he's not. You're surprised, he's not. Stick with Jesus, amen. Be patient. Don't expect Jesus, oh Lord, y'all fix, throw, throw stuff at me when I say this. Don't expect Jesus to drop everything He's doing and run and fix your problems when up until this point you haven't had a relationship with Him. Don't expect Jesus to drop everything He's doing and run and fix your problems when up until this point you have had no relationship with Him. I would say some of y'all, but I'm going to do it like this. All of us expect Jesus to drop everything and come fix our problems when our relationship with Him up until that point has not been what it should be. How many of y'all ever got real spiritual when you got into a problem? We all have. Huh? How many of you became a prayer warrior because it was your problem? Amen. better move on. Y'all looking bad. All right, amen. Let me ask you this question. Are you sticking with Jesus when He's not on your schedule? By your means, He's late. Are you still sticking with Him? Have you left Him? Have you moved on? Are you looking for another doctor already? Or are you sticking with Jesus? Number one, He's not on your schedule. Number two, learn to watch someone else's miracle. Number one, he's not on your schedule. Number two, learn to watch somebody else's miracle. Look in verse number 48. And he said unto her, daughter. Could you imagine when Jesus said daughter, what do you think that man first thought was? His daughter. If he'd have been like us, brother Edwin, he'd have said, how come she's getting healed first? How come he's paying her bill?" How come He's healing her mama? How come He's fixing their marriage? How come He's bringing their child home? Help me now. If He was a a modern day Christian, that's exactly what He'd be saying. He's saying, Lord, I'm fine with you paying their bill. Just make sure mine gets paid. Stick with Jesus. Learn to watch somebody else's miracle. I I want to read this verse, James 13. Or 3, 13 through 18. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. And lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom... That is, from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, listen to this, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Being jealous of somebody else ain't going to heal you quicker. Looking at somebody else's situation and getting upset because it ain't you, they ain't going to speed up the process, amen? We ought to all, we ought to all, including myself, we ought to all be able to look at somebody else who is getting a miracle, who is being healed, and say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why is it when we look at somebody else that's getting a miracle, who's being healed, who God is moving in their life, why do we have to look at them and try to find something wrong with it? Why do we have to look at them and try to figure out why God's doing that for them? Why can't we just say praise be to God? Glory to God. Thank you, God. Somebody say amen. You reap what you sow. Sometimes God will heal someone on on the way to healing you. God may be healing someone in front of you to help your faith. Could you imagine the the man was full of doubt? Man, I don't even know if this this Jesus guy can even help me. He's with with Jesus because it's the very last straw. And in the back of his mind, he's thinking, I don't even know if this is going to work, but it's worth a try. And Jesus makes a pit stop. And says, daughter, be healed. Boom, she's healed. Could you imagine what that did to that man's faith? He probably said, man, if he can heal her, he can heal my daughter. Not only should we be able to watch somebody else be healed and be happy and excited about it, but we can watch others be healed and say that very same thing. Lord, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. Amen? Let me ask you this question. How do you react when somebody gets their miracle first? How do you react when somebody gets their miracle first? I wonder if God's watching. I wonder if God performs miracles in front of us to see how we react. That's a scary thought. Number one, He's not on our schedule. Number two, learn to watch somebody else's miracle. Number three, it might look worse Before it looks better. Anybody ever heard that? It's going to look worse before it looks better. Let me tell you something. Stick with Jesus. It might look worse before it looks better. Just stick with Jesus. Just stay close as you can to Him. Amen. I notice, firstly here, sometimes it feels a lot worse than it is. How many of y'all ever had that happen? feels a lot worse than it is. You feel so terrible about the situation and when you get on the other side of it you say, man, it wasn't even that bad. Right. Could you imagine this dad though? Could you imagine how he felt knowing that his daughter was fixing to slip off into eternity? Twelve years. That's all he's had with her. Man, could you imagine how bad this man felt? I was thinking about this and I thought about Psalms chapter 142 and verse number 4. David David's made this statement. He said, no man cares for my soul. Now, if you read about the life of David and you know the life of David, you'll know that there was a lot of people who cared for his soul. One by the name of Jonathan. But I want you to notice this. David felt like nobody cared for his soul. That sometimes you just don't feel like Nobody cares for your soul. There's sometimes you just don't feel like hope is coming. There's sometimes you just don't feel like healing is coming. There's sometimes you don't feel like a miracle is coming. Just stick with Jesus, amen? Number one, sometimes it feels a lot lot worse than it is. Number two, sometimes it sounds a lot worse than it is. Verse number 49. The Bible says, while he yet spake, there cometh one of the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Sometimes it sounds like it's a lot worse than it is. Sometimes it looks like it's a lot worse than it is. Look in verse number 51. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in save Peter, James, and John, and the father of the mother of the maiden. Could you imagine? Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid, only believe. He sees a man be healed and he's thinking, praise God, there's still hope. Only to walk into that back bedroom and see his 12-year-old daughter, lifeless. Sometimes it looks a lot worse than it actually is. I'm here to encourage you this morning. Stick with Jesus. You didn't get the the doctor's report you wanted to get. Stick with Jesus. Your situation isn't making a turn like you thought it would, like you prayed it would. Just stick with Jesus. It's going to look worse before it looks better. Amen. I saw a video the other day, and it was talking about holding on, morning's coming. And it says, when does a new day start? And the man said, 12 a.m. midnight. And he said, is it light or dark at 12 a.m. midnight? He said, it's dark. And I want to encourage you, church, this morning that it may be dark where you're at, but it's the start of a new day. And morning's coming. And daylight's coming. Just stick with Jesus. Amen? I... uh. We're fixing to go to Israel, and we're going to take the worst part about it. I was talking to Brother Chris this morning. The worst part about it is a 14-hour flight. I'm nervous. I've flown before, but I ain't flown like that. Amen? I remember the first time I was going to fly, I was talking to a man about it, and I was like, man, I'm nervous. I ain't never flown before. Anybody ever flown in here? You know your first time flying, you kind of get a little on the takeoff in the landing. it's a little, you know what I'm saying? Especially when you get up in the air and you just riding along peaceful and all of a sudden you, you're like, oh, Lord, what's going on here? Right? Thank God I was talking to this man. He said, you're going to need to expect turbulence. There's going to be times where that thing gets to shaking. There's going to be times where it dips, goes back up. He said, he gave me some good advice. He said, just keep your eye on that flight attendant. He said, if she gets worried, you need to get worried. All right? If she's not worried, you got nothing to be worried about. And I remember we were flying, and we hit some turbulence, and I looked down that aisle, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on, okay? And she was just sitting there reading her book. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, man, she does this all the time. Don't worry her, not a lick. And I got to thinking about this story. The man just had the worst news of his life. Your daughter's dead. Are y'all with me? He hit some turbulence. Look what happens. Verse number 49. While he yet spake, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. That's like the worst news you could possibly have. Look what Jesus said. Jesus heard it. Look, turned around, the man said, Don't worry about it. What? What you mean don't worry about it? Did you you not just hear that man? I know this ain't your daughter. Y'all with me? What if we just looked at Jesus and saw how calm he was? Jesus didn't even flinch. The man came up and says, hey, by the way, your daughter's dead. This man goes into full panic mode. Jesus says, it's going to be all right. Jesus didn't flinch. Let me, let, me, let me just tell you this. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're expecting, whatever you're praying for, it may get worse before it gets better. But just keep your eyes on Jesus. If He starts getting worried, then you, I'll give you permission. You can get worried. But as long as He's not worried, you ain't got nothing to be worried about. And by the way, He's not going to get worried. He's not surprised. Nothing catches him off guard. It's all in the master plan. Just have faith. Only believe. Fear not. And what? Stick with Jesus. Amen? Y'all with me? I'm almost done. Let me ask you this question. Will you stick with Jesus when it looks bad? Number four. Stick with Jesus even when the people around you just don't get it. Look at verse number 49. The very end of it. A man from his house comes to him and says, your daughter's dead. Look what he says. Trouble not the master. You know what they said? Quit taking up Jesus' time. It's over. You know why they said such a terrible statement? They just don't get it. People that don't know Him don't understand what He's capable of. Amen? Trouble not the Master. Look at what they did in verse number 53. Jesus said, hey, she she ain't dead. She's just sleeping. Verse number 53. And they laughed Him to scorn. These people laughed at Jesus. Laughed Him to scorn. She's dead. We felt her pulse. She's dead. You don't know what you're talking about. People around you are not going to understand. Just stick with Jesus. You're going to try to explain it to them? Let me, let me just help you out. Don't try to explain it to them. Just stick with Jesus. They'll soon see for themselves. He's the real deal. Amen. Look what Jesus did. I, I think this is a great lesson before we move on. When the people doubted, when the people laughed Him to scorn, When the people said, hey, quit quit taking up Jesus' time, look what Jesus did in verse number 54. And he put them all out. This is going to hurt some of y'all's feelings. There's some people in your life you need to put out. Amen. Why are you going to church all the time? You really still praying about that? God ain't answered it. He must not want you to have it. Put them out. Stick with Jesus. Amen. Let me ask you this question. Will you stick with Jesus when the people around you don't get it? Will you stick with Jesus when everybody around you doubting? Will you stick with Jesus when everybody else's hope is gone? Stick with Jesus. Lastly, lastly, and I'm done. That's Teresa. You can come on to the piano when you get ready. Someone, lastly, someone is depending on you to stick with Jesus. Number one, He's not on your schedule. Number two, learn to watch somebody else's miracle. Number three, it's going to look worse for it looks better. Number four, the people around you probably won't get it. Number five, stick with Jesus because there's somebody that is counting on you to stick with Jesus. Could you imagine? What what do you think would have happened to his daughter had he not stuck with Jesus? What do you think would have happened? Could we all agree? She'd have never took another breath. Can we all agree? But it was because of the faith of her father. Let me just step over here on this soapbox. If you're a parent in here this morning, you better stick with Jesus. Because that little girl, or that little boy that you brought with you this morning, is counting on you. Man, I would hate to know. I would hate to know that my children missed out on experiencing Jesus because I wasn't patient. Because I couldn't watch somebody else's miracle. Because I gave up when it looked bad. Because I gave up when everybody else was doubting. I'd hate to know that my children didn't get to experience Jesus because I didn't stick. Right next to Jesus. Let me ask you this question: Are you going to stick with Jesus tonight or this morning? Maybe, hey, maybe say I'm not. I'm not a parent in here. Okay, there's somebody counting on you. There's a brother. There's a sister. There's a friend. There's somebody that you come in contact with. There's a coworker, and if you don't stick with Jesus, they're going to miss out on a miracle that will change their life. Will you stick with Jesus this morning? Not only did I think, I, did I see. That this daughter, life changed because this man stuck with Jesus. You know who else life changed? His wife. The Bible says in verse number 56, and her parents. I'm not even going to get on what, what makes parents, all right? It's a man and a woman, okay? Amen. His wife. Would have never, Brother Vic, would have never got to hold her baby had it not been for Jairus sticking with Jesus. She'd have never got to hear her talk to her again. She'd have never got to see her get married. She'd have never got to see her have children of her own had it not been for a man who said, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care if God's not on my schedule. I'm sticking with Jesus. Who's counting on you this morning? Who's counting on you to stick with Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Husband, wife, who's counting on you? Mom, dad, who's counting on you? Coworker, who's counting on you? Friend, who's counting on you to stick with Jesus? And let me ask you this question. Will you leave Jesus before they see a change in their life? Will you leave Jesus before they see their miracle? Let me ask you this question. I'm done. Will you stick with Jesus? Will you stick with Jesus this morning? Let's pray. These altars are open. Maybe somebody needs to come down here and say, Lord, it don't look good but I'm just going to stick with you. Lord, it don't sound good, but I'm just going to stick with you. Lord, I don't understand why I'm having to wait, but I'm going to stick with you. Lord, I'm struggling with my patience, but I'm just going to stick with you. These altars are open. Lord, I love you. I thank you for loving me. I thank you that you are a miracle-working God. I thank You that You're in the business of desperate people. I'm thankful that my problems don't scare You. I'm thankful that my problems don't catch You off guard. Lord, I'm thankful for Your plan, even though I don't know it, even though I don't understand it at times. I'm thankful for Your plan. Lord, I pray that You'd help me. As feeble as I am, as carnal as I am, just help me to stick with You. Lord, as a father... Help me to stick with you. As a husband, let me stick as close to you as I can. As a youth leader, help me to stick close by your side. As a friend, Lord, help me to stick with you. Lord, there's people counting on me. There's people counting on this church. I pray that you'd help us all. Lord, help us not to leave this this property today only to walk away from you. Lord, you're not just here in this room. Lord, we can follow you everywhere. I pray that you'd help us to do that. Give us strength. Give us courage. Give us peace in our doubt. We'll thank you. We'll give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed.